0: It's such a difficult industry that you have to want to do it 150, 200%. There's nothing else you can do in life but do this kind of work.
1: Welcome to This Industry Life. I'm your host, Brandon Haskell. And I'm your co-host, Anthony Wilson.
2: And I'm your producer, Katie garland
1: uh, this week, we are interviewing Gareth Kurzin. Am I saying it right? Yeah, you said it right. Awesome. Um, so, last week, we interviewed Katie. So, hopefully, if you go back and listen to the previous three episodes, you finally have gotten to meet your three hosts. So, we are now going to be interviewing new people. And, yeah. New people. New discussions. Anthony, got anything?
3: Yeah. Uh, Gareth is an actor. Writer, director, producer, fire dancer. He does it all. <laughs> and I'm very excited to just get in depth with Gareth and talk about what he does and his process and everything. So.
0: Thank you so much for having me, you guys. I'm so excited. The episodes were amazing.
3: Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it.
0: And I just have to correct you there for a second. I've never directed anything in my life, but hopefully one day.
3: What about, haven't you directed stage uh, theater?
0: I would say small versions of five to ten minute cafe plays, but nothing huge. Okay. But I guess I am a director then. Yeah, yeah. 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 Why not? I'll take it. I'm a director too. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody's looking for me to direct the future, in the future, here I am.
1: I'm ready. <laughs> I guess uh, to start off this podcast, uh, let's... First, talk about your upbringing, uh, Gareth. Where did you come from? How did you get into film? And
0: yeah. Ryan, um, so I was born and bred in South Africa, Cape Town. Um, You guys know it? Never been? Never been. Nope. Can't (laughs) wait to go there. You're going to have to sooner or later. Um, Yeah, so I grew up in Cape Town, and um, I caught the acting bug early, but didn't really pursue it at all. Um, I got into other things because, listen, I was brought up in apartheid um south africa times so there was a lot of you know <laughs> parting of ways and we didn't we weren't really liked by the world so acting wasn't a big thing we had three television stations so you know growing up parents were like you have to you know get a real job so i studied business i studied film i studied uh radio and marketing uh, i did Telecommunications, <laughs> and um, you know, one day, just decided I need to come to Hollywood and um, learn how to be an actor, and I did that at the age of twenty-nine. So, um, did a whole bunch of other stuff before that, though. It's crazy. And, um, yeah, twenty-nine came to Los Angeles to pursue my dreams in acting.
1: Awesome! I was uh, so I started early. I was reading your IMDb profile, and it was saying that when you were younger, you used to do small skits, and then. Would, like, people from the public come and watch them?
0: (laughs) Yeah, we'd sell tickets. (laughs) So um, I would put on these um, weird shows with the the neighborhood kids, and I would, I guess I am a director. I used to write and direct these little stage plays on the back of my parents' porch, and um, we would use cricket bats as swords, and we would dress everybody up in my parents' clothing (laughs) and sell tickets to the neighborhood, well, the kids' parents, I guess. And um every Sunday night we would have these shows in, in our backyard. That's awesome. Um, they were actually pretty popular to be honest with you. That's
1: so so. Cool, yeah. do you still have do you still have them? Can do we... you still do them now? No, <laughs> every Sunday. Do you have yep. like any footage of them anymore? oh no we did you know what i think most of my footage
0: back at home is eight millimeter of me scaring my mom but like terrifying her so i mean that was my favorite thing to do was just hide in bushes for hours and wait for her to get home and it's uh, probably the best footage i ever have um, i would keep that yeah so that was a pastime of mine it's crazy but yeah i started late in the industry i mean i did a few short films i did study acting i did study drama Um, but I didn't pursue it per se. I didn't have an agent. I didn't have a talent manager. I got a gig once on a short film and then on a TV, I was on a TV set for the first time at the age of, I guess, 27, I was in a TV series and, um, I started looking for, you know, my space in the world and I just wanted to get to Hollywood. I knew I wanted to go to Hollywood for some reason. I was like, I need to get to Hollywood. And I went to, you know, um, I guess it was Delta, I think, or SAA, South African Airways. And I said, I need to go to Hollywood. And they said, OK, so we're going to fly you to Los Angeles. And I said, no, you're not listening to me. <laughs> yeah. You got to get me to Hollywood. Um, so I didn't even know that Hollywood was in Los Angeles. It took me six months to actually see the Hollywood sign when I got here. I didn't mm-hmm. have a car. I didn't have anything. I slept on a friend's floor for a year. So uh, yeah, that's how I got here.
3: Yeah what, yeah. what made you finally pull the trigger on and moving to Hollywood?
0: Well, it took two years and I knew that, you know, in South Africa, we have a a really bad currency. So the currency conversion was terrible. Um, And when the 9-11 attacks happened, I mean, our currency went, it it, it hit rock bottom. So all the money I was saving to get over here was just nothing. I mean, 10,000 Rand would be maybe like $1,000, you know, or $500, which would get you nowhere. And that's like a, that's like five months of my savings. Um, so it took me two years to save up. I um, called a woman named Shirley Mitchell in um, San Francisco, and she said that she taught method acting, and that was a style that I really wanted to to you know pursue was method. And um, she invited me to come to San Francisco. She said I could um, paint her studio. She said I could um, shower in the 24-hour gym across the road from her studio, and um, for doing all the work, she would you know. Ha- give me free classes and I said sure let's do it and I bought the ticket and then she said but I have a friend named Katie Garner Noble in mm. um, Los Angeles and um, I told her and she's in LA I think you should go straight to LA and Katie invited me to come sit I sleep on her floor and I was there for about six months <laughs> so this wow. lady next to me took me in and um, let me stay in the house for free and I went to a school an amazing school called the Ruskin school uh-huh. who studied Meisner who trained came- Told people Meisner, so that that was how I got
3: here. So uh, pull the trigger. It sounds like you've you've learned a lot of different processes as an actor, as far as method and Meisner. Um, today, uh, with the actor you are today, what what do you take from these processes? Do you still practice method, or does it depend on the role, or what's your process like today?
0: Well, it definitely depends on the role. It depends how much dialogue I have, it depends, um, actually, when I do, with film, it depends on how we're shooting, really, mm-hmm. if we're doing chronologically, or we, you know, going back and forth. And usually, as you know, we just, it's a jumble. Um, I like to learn all my lines straight off, I like to, in Meiser we do something where we just write out all our lines in a monologue, mm-hmm. and learn everything without actually knowing anybody else's lines. Um, I love rehearsals, but at the same time, I hate over-rehearsing.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but it, it really depends on the role and how big my role is. Um, but I do, you know, it's, it's like a tool belt. I do use different tools from different methods. But every every project um, is very different for me. It's very organic, to be honest with you.
2: Do you still do the, my, I mean, that's how I learn my yeah. lines. Like you learn it for those who don't know you learn it like it's your social security number so you learn it like 491 so that it's just so ingrained in your brain that it's like second nature that you don't have to think about the line um and it really 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 works
0: it does um i tend not to do that a lot anymore because i feel that sometimes when i'm thinking (laughs) i'm actually thinking um some of my best scenes are when I'm thinking of my lines. <laughs> and people are like, wow, it's really deep. And I'm just like, I cannot remember my line. Um, but, um, yeah, it depends what it is. And, and as you guys know, you, you do so many takes sometimes that, you know, you, you get to it sooner or later. Um, but the lines used to be such a big deal for any actor to know your lines and show up knowing your lines. and And now I just... You know, it's a process and I like it to be just to flow and embed itself in that uh, sort of potentials. But yeah, I, I don't like over studying my lines, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't even like over studying the script. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people like to take a script and break it down and what are you thinking? What are you feeling? And to me, right now, I always feel that when I finished the project, I'm always like, damn, I wish I can go back because I know the character much better than I thought I did now. You know, I'm ready for mm. it now. Um, if that makes any sense.
3: Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Do you find that also happening? Because, um, you know, while you're studying lines and studying the character and you're just kind of talking about how you wish you can go back after the production because you learned something new about the character. Does that ever happen in production? Let's say you just you All walk the on time. the set and like after a take, you're like, wait, this is what yeah. this... Yeah, and what, what is exactly. that like when that happens? When,
0: I mean, <laughs> when you finish that last take and the director says moving on and people resetting you're like no wait i got it and you know but all the time i mean you you're never good enough as an actor i mean for me personally i'm never good enough um someone else is better for the job i'm definitely i have imposter syndrome all the time um you know i mean it's it's a tough gig but i wouldn't be wanting to do anything else
2: And I just want to chime in here. I mean, he is my best friend, but I consider myself very unbiased. Gareth is a brilliant actor. Absolutely brilliant. And I try to remind him that all the time, but I do think it seems to be a trait of actors that they're so self-deprecating. They never think they're good enough or that take was good enough or like, yeah, there's someone better. There's someone skinnier. And I don't know, maybe that's just part of,
0: Maybe. I'd like to think that one day, you know, 50 years later, people are like, well, you know, this is, you know, this is just a job. And, you know, you learn your lines, you show up, you you find the character and you do your job and you go home and, you know, um, at night. I know Charlize Theron or Theron, as we say in South Africa, she's South African. She's just, she used to do methods. She used to delve into her character so deeply and take it home with her. And nowadays she's just like, I go up, I do my job and I leave it behind, you know? And. Um, I mean, I guess some jobs are more difficult than others.
3: Um, she, you know, she said she leaves it behind. But when you method act, you find it hard to leave the emotion or the weight of a character behind. You take it well, home sometimes.
0: I, see, I think that's, I think that's the um, their mistake when people think of method actors. Um, when I study method, it has nothing to do with being in character all the time. People have just used that terminology for people like, I guess, Robert De Niro in the past, Christian Bale, I guess he's one of them. Um, I I, I don't know any, Joaquin Phoenix could be one of them, where they really take on the character. I know that, um, what is his name, was doing that for a long time. It wasn't Leonardo DiCaprio, but um, where they're just completely, they don't um, change accents. They don't, you know, they're just always embedded in the character. And I think, I don't think that's method. That isn't method per se, is it? I've,
2: I've heard the, the cliché of it. Yeah, you know, no. There's so many stories. I, studied, I didn't study methods. So I studied with to Tony sure. Greco,
0: an amazing method method teacher who studied under Strasbourg, actually. And um, there was never any word of, you know, you have to stay in character all the time. It's just a different process. It's about um, knowing your senses and using sense memory and kind of using your life as if. And Mize is actually a tool that method actors use. So um, Meisner's more about repetition and working of the uh, of the actor next to you. It's very hard to you know be self-involved with Meisner, whereas method training I felt like I was very it's very introspective, and um, yeah. So I wouldn't say it's method as in staying character all the time per se.
3: If you like, for instance, in the the film that I I worked on where I got to see you uh, perform as an actor and the one you mm-hmm. feed, um, yeah. when you kind of reach. To those dark places of the character, even if you know you, you're not method all the time, do you feel like personally what you mm-hmm. take out of the reality of your life to put into the reality of the character's always. life? Do you feel like it affects you sometimes? And kind yeah, of yeah, always. That's, I've yeah, never that's what ever I have trying anything to get at. Has
0: never affected me, unless the writing is so bad. gonna <laughs> <laughs> get away from it. Um, you know, you just say your thing, and, but you want to find the truth in anything, even when when it's bad writing. You find the truth. Yeah. Um, with someone else or in that moment or something with inside of you. And I, for myself personally, I've never, ever not given anything from my personal life or my personal, even if I have to lie and do an as if, I always want to find the truth. The truth is very important to me when I'm working. Um, if I feel like I'm faking something, I mean, there's different, you know, if, if a director needs a tear coming up my eye and it's a close-up shot, I can use a tear stick and just at least we can time that, you know, those, that's, those are different circumstances. Those are very commercial shots. But when it comes to a performance and the director's letting me have a, a wide with um, or a, cl- a close-up with um, you know, my fellow actor or if it's just a, a shot of me, there's certain techniques that I need to remember. Either, is it an accent that I'm learning? Is it my close-up so that I'm not flinching my face or being very overdramatic and just standing still for the camera? Um, those are different techniques that I like to know, but other than that, like, you know, where's my mark, where's the camera, where's, where's the actor, where we're starting from. But other than that, um, I feel that by letting go of all my work, that's when the work actually begins and the truth can actually flow, you know, through you and you're speaking for a character. And I think that's what, to me, that's a method and that I cannot leave that behind, you know, it stays with me for a while. They Mm -hmm. all do. Mm
1: -hmm. I think. I I kind of, I want to go back to uh, talking about actors being Mm self-deprecating and I wonder, I want to hear your opinion on whether that happens because you show so much of yourself within your character. Is that why you think you're so self-deprecating as an actor?
0: It it could be, but I mean, there's always um, a a feeling of, am I good enough, you know? I think in anything that we do as human beings, is am I good enough? And it takes a long time as an actor to, you know, feel like they're good enough. And I don't think that they do. Um, for me personally, it's been a long journey. And every time I cross a hurdle, I'm I'm ready for the next one. And then when you when you're ready for the next one, you're like, well, I'm not good enough for this. Um, but yeah, no, I think, it's, I think it's most actors. I mean, we got to learn a lot from amazing teachers at the Ruskin School, one of them being Anthony Hopkins, one of them being Dermot Mulroney, Mal- and um, Dermot, was it Mulroney? No, uh, the guy that got nominated for an Emmy for Hollywood, Dermot, no, whatever his name is. What is his name?
2: I'm so sorry that I cannot remember, but he's very- Dermot Dermot, yes. excuse me. Yes. Okay,
0: um, I mean, I remember watching Anthony Hopkins give a monologue He gave us the most beautiful monologue I've ever seen in my life. And a few of us walked behind the, you know, the stage after he did this and he was busy berating himself Mm. and kicking himself basically for like, you know, screwing up his monologue and it's the best monologue I've ever seen. And that's Anthony Hopkins. I mean, how many times has he won an Oscar, you know, silence of the lambs. So I guess we all have that like, darn it. If I tried it this way, maybe it would have been better.
3: Um, we, so it sounds like you can be your harshest critic, but are you also your biggest fan too? Is there, I'm there a balance? In.
0: Yeah, I think when I've done something, I feel, when I, you know, here's the thing. When I feel I've done something truthful and I gave everything that I got in a in scene or a specific job or an audition, I feel like, wow, I really, I really nailed that. And that was good. And I feel good about myself. And then I'll go and screw something up in an audition. and think like that was the worst thing I've ever done. and I want to drink like a six pack and eat a burger, you know? Um, and, um, then I get the job. So it's, you know, you, it's, it'd be great if you can actually see yourself, but you cannot. So that's what we learn. That's what we use techniques. That's why we keep on practicing so that we can just, you know, feel it out. And, um, and either you're right for the job or you're not, you know, um, there's so many stories of a guy goes in for a job and the casting and director is like, it's just like my ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend or whatever. <laughs> it's just like, nah, not happening. Mm, right. Uh, so
1: what tell us about your experience in your first audition tape? mm
0: gosh, let me see if i can remember what, my first audition <laughs> oh yeah, that was bad <laughs> 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 the, the, I think the first one was um a a british i had to i was in South Africa and i had to do r p which is a kind of dialect for proper british um uh, t v series in South Africa we were shooting and You'd go there and there will be a dialect coach just like giving you some tidbits and things like that. And I had to go in and I'm not sure if I sounded anywhere near British. I just remember being like, Oi, what
1: are you doing?
0: (laughs) What's going on here, mate? And it was probably the worst. And that's nowhere near RP. That's um, something completely different. I think that's cockney. Um, (laughs) It was was bad. It was pretty bad. I I saw some giggles from the side. Um, You know, um, when you first start acting, you really want to, you know, Stab a knife in your chest and go crazy. (laughs) But yeah, those were bad.
3: Did you start in stage or theater? Or did you, like, it sounds like you were doing a little bit of both. I started in film, actually.
0: You know, I I, know, actually, I I used to, I wrote my own stage plays in high school. Uh And then they were directed. So I did a few of those. Um, I just got into writing and um, they would put it up in my high school. So I guess I started out there on stage. And then my first acting job was in a TV series in South Africa. Okay. And um, that was just like a one or two day gig. And then I um, did a short film that I wrote and a friend directed. And I came all the way here and I started at the Ruskin. And um, there was something that we used to do called a cafe play where I got most of my, you know, my studies from where we would, someone would write a play in the morning for two hours. It would come to two different actors and we would learn the lines within Three hours and have a ten-minute piece each up by seven o'clock at night wow. for a live audience. So um,
2: you also had to do costumes, props. You had damn. to do everything yeah. in one day, and it was Gareth loved it. It was the most stressful thing for me. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. No, it's
1: it but... amazing. I did about twenty of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of want to pivot to uh, the one you feed because yes. that's your most recent feature, right? Or was phone yes. box before? Bone box was before. Bonebox
0: was before um, the one you feed.
1: Gotcha. I yeah. just have a, I would like to know an experience of producing and acting at the same time. How does that really work? Um,
0: sure. Um, I guess for both because I did this for both of them. Um, mm. I was tired of not getting a lead in anything. I was tired of not being able to book anything per se or, or you know, get, get, material that i wanted so my idea was to find a writer to um do something with myself and other people involved where we can actually be a part of the process find the money for it and get it produced and each one was pretty grueling Um, it took two to three years for the bone box to finally get everything together because you know how it is when people give you money they give you money but they give it in little bits and pieces Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, um, the first one was grueling. The second one was grueling, but it's been worth it. And, I mean, I, it's difficult to produce an act at the same time. So that's why I left it in the capable hands of amazing people who came and took over, one being Katie. Um, and, you know, an amazing, amazing crew on the one you feed. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. And we have such good news because, you know, we got an amazing um, distribution deal right now. So yeah. we're very lucky to have everybody who worked on it. Yeah. But yeah, it's... it's, it's 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 interesting to learn how to let things go when you have your producer cap on and your scene is next and you want something changed um, and you think that something should be different. It's kind of you know where do you stand right now? Do you say something? Do you you know do you just let it go and and be in character or where do you go from there? So that that was that was difficult for me to learn. The first one I kept quiet um, and then I said to myself, there's a few things that I wouldn't want to stay quiet about anymore and um. The second time around, I was like, well, no, I have to say something because mm-hmm. the first one, you know, could have been better. And, um, I think by doing so, you're learning each time, you know, we're going to keep on going and just keep on bettering ourselves Yeah. each time.
3: What, um, just talking about the one you feed still, what was that process like to not one to, I mean, you kind of mentioned it, but producing and acting it, uh, acting in it. Um, but also... You the way you guys made the film, it seemed very personal to you guys. Um, and you guys even built like your your house into the set. You turned into like an early eighteen hundreds desert right. cabin or whatever you want to call if it. You and yeah. And you lived with the the other main character and, mm-hmm. you know, lived in that space and also shot in that space and lived together. Yeah. Um, what yeah. was that like just be completely just in, it was in that world all the time, maybe you know. I, I guess
0: what it did was it created some crazy chemistry between the characters that didn't need to be, um, uh, you know, manipulated. Like nothing mm-hmm. had to be faked or worked upon. Um, it was the reason why all of that happened was because we lost a bunch of money that we we had for other locations. That I mean, we did eight location scouts. And we had seven different DPs before we got Sam. Um, So, you know, it was a tough experience. And when you're living with someone that close and you're both creative and you're both doing day jobs at the same time, um, it's a tough experience. And then one day we just said, you know what? We're turning the house into a set. (laughs) And, And we did. We took everything apart. We painted it freaking brown and we turned it into a farmhouse and, and it was, I mean, you guys were there. It was crazy. There's a whole new world. Um,
3: yeah. It's in the middle of North Hollywood.
0: In the middle of North Hollywood. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I'm here doing a feature with some of my best friends and every day, either we're best friends or we're about to slit each other's throats and <laughs> go off at each other, you know, um, and have like a three to five way like scuffle. <laughs> like who's the who's next on the chopping block? Um, But it it turned off a great, I I think, great viewing, Mm, you know, Um, and I would do it with each and every one of these people again. Mm. Um, Drew Harwood is an amazing director and actor and Rebecca Fraser. and working with Katie was very interesting. But we realized,
2: (laughs) we realized... Interesting.
0: She she just stepped up to the plate and she made everything happen. I mean, there's stories on the one you feed that I don't mean. I don't know. You want to talk about the sub the sub story? No, you want to move forward? Tell it. Let's tell it. Um, Katie had a budget for food for like how many grown men on a set? Twenty grown men, and she had bought like six, like four foot long As in the number
2: six.
0: Six (laughs) subways subs. (laughs) to um feed i mean that that was that was a lesson that was day
3: one um
2: (laughs) so
0: who who
3: thought that everyone would be hungry on the one you feed
0: but we turned that around pretty fast yeah Yeah. but um um (laughs) i you know we're gonna do it again we are we're gonna do it again um not the one you feed too but we're gonna we're gonna do it again and it was and and we want to use every single person Mm. that was on the last one, because I mean, it was the best set I've I've honestly ever worked on and the best people. It was such camaraderie and uh, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Mm-hmm.
1: For sure. I would like to say, too, that I think it's very honorable as you as an actor. When you say you weren't getting the jobs that you wanted, you were just like, I'm just going to make my path for yeah, myself. And that's I'm awesome. going to make the movies that I want to make. And I think that's really right. cool. And I think right. that's thank you. Yeah. I think that's, that's true. something that a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of filmmakers can learn from is yeah. if their path is not turning out the way that they want it to that you have complete power to steer the boat whichever direction you want to go. Right. Yeah. And I
0: think I think what people need to do In order to do that, actors or screenwriters and they want to make a feature and make a film, Mm -hmm. I think the first step that I've learned just with the last two is saying, I'm going to get this done. This is going to happen. Nothing's going to stop me. I believe it's going to happen. I know that sounds weird, but it's believing so much in your story that nothing's going to stop you. And if you have that conviction and you believe in that project, so many people, honestly, and I'm not talking about Hollywood because I didn't go once to a studio producer or a person in the industry to invest in in me or us as a team or my pitch decks or anything like that. I went to people who wanted to be a part of the industry, who had the money, who believed in me, who believed in what we're doing and wanted to tell the story. And those people exist in the United States and they exist in middle America. And they have the money and a lot of these companies have tax incentives. And they're the great places to go to actually invest in someone who believes in themselves. So my thing is believe in yourself, believe in your story, have conviction and get those people who want to be a part of your story because they want to be that story too. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's how I went and it keeps on working. So maybe I gave my secret away, but go to <laughs> middle America. <yeah. laughs> they work
3: And the one you feed when, uh, as an actor writing a, a feature story, um, do you find yourself, are you like trying to, I guess my question, I, I kind of was thinking about this question earlier today is, do you seek um, a great performance or do you seek a great movie? Whether that's, that means when you're auditioning for something, you're like, oh, this role would be great, right. but this movie's okay. Or when you're yeah. writing the one you feed, are you just trying to write yourself a character that has a lot of dramatic beats that you could, you know, it could be great for your reel, or, or are you really thinking about the story and trying to make a good movie?
0: As a producer, it's definitely the fact that you want this whole thing to kick in together. You w- w- do want to make a next movie. You do want to get further. You do want to make some money. You want everybody to shine, and you're always thinking about that. As a producer, you don't think of it, honestly. Like I, you have to, you know, y- you have to kill some of your, you know, mm-hmm. your babies. I hate saying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. should I say it? Um, but you know you have to sacrifice a lot of stuff in order for an entire thing to work i mean sitting in the editing room with drew um and watching the process there are so many things that they had to like you know things that were like you know i'm like i'm so good at that though i like, not get rid of that but you you got to so yeah, as producer for the story. definitely exactly yeah. but as an actor I kind of see the character as, especially, I mean, if I'm getting paid well for it, it's like what you pay me, you know, I'm going to try my best and just do my best and hopefully mm-hmm. this is something I can do, but getting a lot of independent projects and you get, you know, you don't get great money, but you're still getting paid. It's got to be good material. And I've turned out a lot of things going, why would I, I'm not going to put this on a reel or I'm not going to, I'm not, this is not going to feel good for me, you know? So looking at independent projects. I like the film to be, um, the writing, it's all about the writing and the script because if the writing is good, then there's a huge chance that the movie's gonna be good. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of you know, I kind of always take the DP out to be honest with you and then the <laughs> director, but I'm always looking at the, the DP's work to see how it's gonna be shot and how it's gonna look.
2: Do you wanna talk about how you found Sam?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was on a really cool um, independent project that we shot over a month in someone's apartment. And it was some of the best writing I've ever read by Guy Longstreet. And it was me and Guy's actual wife um, that he cast as twins um, and had this cool, I don't know what they call it, but they, you know, they shot it separately and they put them together in post. Mm -hmm. They um, sewed it together or however they do it. So that it actually looks like the three of us are having these huge conversations, um, which was really interesting to me and so much fun because I never got to do that before. And Sam was actually working it and he was this one guy doing – 12 people's jobs at once because we were five people in a small apartment in Silver Lake. Like, honestly, we almost killed each other, me and (laughs) my coach, who I love today. But it was some rough scenes. It was some Mm -hmm. heavy sex scenes in front of you know, her husband um, and, you know, some violent scenes too. And you're Sam just with a smile on his face and he's pretty here jumping around doing lighting and then doing DP and then, you know, um, yeah, doing all the rigging. And um, I was like, this kid, there's something about this guy. And when he ended up showing us his reel, I sent it to Katie and Drew and I said, we found our person. Although I think we had a person already. But <laughs> <laughs> we were like, we found the person to replace the person, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but yeah, that's how we found Sam. I mean, he's, and then Sam found all you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a blessing to have, have all you guys in, in the process.
1: I kind of want to pivot to directing and acting and what kind of notes as an actor do you appreciate the most from a director?
0: You know, um, as actors, we're always looking for truth. And I'm speaking personally and subjectively, so, uh, so I don't know if this is um, true for everybody else. But personally, um, I mean, we study this shit for a living. I can see when you're not telling me the truth. You know, don't come to me as a director and be like, "That was fantastic." I just want you to try something. You know, you know, I, I, I appreciate when a director is honest and he knows what he's looking for and um, he's, he pulls me aside and speaks to me personally. And, and I'm, I'm always interested in that. You know, um, I like, I just like being truthful and I like a truthful direct director. Um, mm-hmm. and those are hard to find. Um, but some people, and you know, Drew had this in the one you feed. Um, and maybe that's because Drew and I lived together. And we, we did this process over two to three years. Um, he would, say one sentence and i am know exactly what he needed from me. Mm. He would change it up a little by changing his sentence. And um, it worked so well. So I guess, and Guy Longstreet before that did that too. Guy would take me out for drinks and we would talk about the, the subject of my character and what I was feeling, um, what I think I needed to bring to him. What He would always ask me what I thought my character was feeling at the moment and where I needed to go and what my life, um, presented at that moment and um, he got to know me as a person so that when we got to and then obviously you don't have this privilege on all sets but especially with independent features and there's a lot of them happening especially for actors like me who appreciate these kind of sets it's always amazing when the director takes time to get to know you so he mm-hmm. can just you know pivot you when he needs to put you in a different place by saying one or two words you yeah. know I think the more he knows me, the better because he can just redirect me in a couple of sentences.
3: Yeah. Do you ever find yourself surprised or shocked, for instance, um, on like a director's image of the character that you've been studying? Like, for example, if you've been studying this character on and off with the director and by yourself and you show up to set and you you finally see the character's bedroom for the first time you're like oh wait this is not how i imagined my character living like do you ever find yourself faced in situations where you where the director has a completely different uh idea for the character that kind of surprises you or or maybe makes you change your mind about something or something you don't agree with even i
0: I I definitely think I've been in those situations before, Mm but I'm never as um, a main character, never as someone who is a principal in a piece. Um, Actually, I did do, and I wonder if they'll listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) I actually actually did a really um, expensive piece once, um, and it was a very big casting director and a very big DP. And... It was non-union. So we did a lot of stunts that weren't up to par. And we did a lot of things like um, crash cars into rocks. And, um, you know, we'd be in a swimming pool and it would be not a 12-hour day shoot or eight-hour day shoot, it would be 17 hours and I'm in a pool, you know, for like, 10 hours in a cold, ice cold pool at six o'clock in the morning it has been since 12 and no one's fed you. And you're like, where's the union on this? So I've had those moments where like, this is, we didn't discuss this, you know. We didn't, wait, I've got my clothes off. We didn't have this discussion, you know. I mean, but it's probably, you know, and I did have a little bit of a fit about it, but it's probably one of the best pieces I've ever done, watching it back. So now I I like to just go ahead and, and do it for art's sake. Unless it's dangerous, you know, um, now I still, I, 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 stand my ground and I say things like, wait a minute, no safety check. This doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, the more you work in the industry, the more you get to know, and the more you can stand up for yourself, mm-hmm. um, and say to people, listen, I don't feel safe. So mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to do this. Or can I just call my agent?
3: Every director has like a different style. So it's got to feel like you're literally, I mean, it's a new job every time you do a film, but it's got to literally sure. feel like a whole new job. It's a new job, job every day. Yeah. Yeah. um so like some directors you know maybe you had to ha- be so by the book like you have to memorize every line and every piece of punctuation there's no exactly. room for improv- mm-hmm. improvisation um so what kind of like different methods from directors do you like do you like the ones that are very by the book or do you like the ones that leave open for you to play or that do listen it lots depends of about the script yeah. uh-huh. it
0: depends on the script because sometimes you want to speak to a director and say and the writer and say, this is just not making sense because usually when it's written so well, there's no learning the lines. It flows off your tongue so easily. You cannot believe it's coming off the page and into your mouth like that. And then you look down and you're like, whoa, I got every word and every syllable you know, right because the writing's so good. Sometimes um, I love directors that let you play around and they're not too concerned about the words itself. I mean, and that's where Luke and I had a little bit of a, um, for the bone box writer director. Um, we worked really well together and I thought that I had some leeway, but it turns out I didn't when I got to set after like five months, I was like, Oh, I guess you want every word in there. exactly the way it is. Um, but it was, it was easy enough. But with the bone box, I was literally on, on set on camera, 16 hours a day as a producer. I had to let everything go because I was the main focus of the story and the camera never left me. It was always my POV. Um, it always followed me. Um, it looked like we never cut once. Um, so it was very much like the house of, I forgot the name house of the devil. No, it was something else where the camera just follows the main character and, and they don't cut once. It was a Spanish film. I cannot remember
3: the Interesting. name. Interesting. Um, yeah. kind of talking about that. Um, cause the bone box is a horror film and I was going through your IMDB and I know you've done some other horror work. Um, what do you think, gravitates you towards that genre or gravitates a director to cast you in that genre?
0: Pretty my face.
3: I guess.
2: (laughs) Um,
0: I, I just gravitate to whatever, whoever's casting me, (laughs) whatever role it is. So if it's horror, if it's drama, if it's comedy, I like movies like Black Swan. I like psychological thrillers. Um, and the Bone Box is not a horror. Right, That's why so many horror theory. fans are very disappointed. I love characters who, um, yeah, Bone Box is about a man who has some mental issues and addictions. And I love characters who are struggling with internal things and. With um with behaviors, I I just I gravitate towards characters like that, Mm -hmm. who have in you know inner struggles with themselves, who feel one way, act another way, and are going crazy because it's pulling them apart. I love characters like that. Um,
3: Why do you think that? Is it is it just uh, challenging to play, or is it uh, no? uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, it is challenging to play for sure, but um, it's something that I um I love the psychological aspect of it because you're always getting to think, you're always getting to change every moment and, and, and every moment is so um, malleable and shocking mm. to you as an actor that you have to change and turn that actor's brain off because these characters so, are so illogical. They seem to, I mean, I, it makes me excited because I don't know yeah. where he's going to go next and you're allowed to just let things go. And, um, you know, I mean, it's like Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a pleasure to play that. I, it, I mean, it must be right. really damaging to <laughs> the psyche, but um, I, I love characters like that. You know, I'm not the jock and I'm not the guy next door. I'm not the guy who's going to be like, you know, well, let me just take you out to dinner. <laughs> 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 you know, yeah. always this quirky, weird, like, people always go like, what's There's something up with that guy <laughs> every time yeah. I do something. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm more the Michael Shannon type.
2: But you're also so good with comedy. So how I was do you just, feel about playing comedy? Yeah, I was just gonna I,
0: ask that because comedy is just as tragic. Really? Okay, back. Which one's harder?
3: comedy um, or drama? Sorry, well, to cut you. Well, I
0: have a I have a problem where you know in stage I used to do these huge dramatic roles and um, people would just laugh. <laughs> and I'll
2: be like,
0: what? So I guess when I, I guess I gravitate towards comedy easier, but um, they're definitely just as tragic as. You know the dramas or the, or the horrors. I mean, some of these people in the comedies are so sad that it's you know you, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny but they're so sad. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you you, know, you see them, you see them, and you identify with them. Yeah. And and um, I mean, Jim Carrey was you know when he's doing his Ace Ventures and things like that. I mean, that must be the toughest job for an actor. Um, but you know. Yeah, no, I say comedy is pretty much easier for me than 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 the horror.
1: I guess comedy, there's probably like different types of characters than there would be in like a psychological thriller, right? So, I guess uh, what is the main difference in trying to get into character with comedy versus getting into character with psychological? Right. I think it's also
0: depending on what the director's looking for and what the tone of the movie is. So I know Katie um, did a, a, a pilot called Pike and Bird, and even the Pike and Bird I think is brilliant. Um, the issue with Pike and Bird is that um, there were three characters in different tones of a pilot. And we discussed that, so it's, no, it's known. We had um, me who played this like you know this dry, straight edge kind of comedy. Um, my co-star, who's amazing, by the way, um, Natalie really. Palamedis, yeah. is phenomenal. I've actually done, I think, two or three things with her. But, yeah, have. I forgot
2: about yeah. That.
0: Um, And she's just so good at comedy. But she can, she can do, who would you say she's like? Um, like Kristen Wiig
2: mm. sort of yeah. comedy. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then we had the lead um, guy who was doing a completely different comedy than the rest of us. So when you watch it, everybody just felt that we were discombobulated and we were in three different, you know, one was in a sitcom, one was in a Wolfgang movie <laughs> and, you know, that yes. was, it would have been fantastic if we were just all on the same page. So I think with comedy, it's what the director is looking for, like what the tone's going to be so the editor can actually pull it together, you know. Um, we were on three different pages so I think it's, are you doing an Ace Ventura kind of movie? Are you doing Snapstick? Is this kind of a dry Zoe Deschanel character? I, with comedy, it's, you know, I think there's, you know, are you doing a sitcom? There's different ways, and you need you need the tone. You need to know the tone of, of, of the comedy, and you know, delivering punchlines. I mean, those are really important.
2: As you guys can tell, Gareth is really, really, really good with story. So, do you feel like that's super important for an actor?
0: Story. Yes. If the story doesn't know itself, you don't know yourself.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, if the story is not fleshed out, you you aren't fleshed out because the story doesn't tell you everything the story doesn't give you all the details and it's up to you and the director and sometimes just you to flush it out and really get to the nitty-gritty of what this person actually wants, what this person actually needs because during this story, I'm going to have to change somehow, right? I'm going to have to change somehow and actually um, learn a lesson and come to a conclusion somehow for the future. So if if I'm not, then no one's on the ride with me and no one's learning anything or feeling anything with me. And if the director or the writer doesn't know that, None of us know that, and then the audience
3: doesn't know shit. So, can you watch your own work? Hell no. (laughs) Why not? Because I think I'm terrible.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think I have imposter. You know, I can watch a lot of stuff when I've when we were in the editing room for the one you feed. I got, I got, I got more used to it because I was like, oh, this is not me. It didn't feel like me, so it was okay. Um, And we watched it so many times that. After a while, I was just like, ah, eh, you know. And there were some raunchy scenes in the, in the one you feed, there's but a
3: couple. There's a
0: couple. Um, <laughs> will blow your mind. Um, but but no, it's never easy. It's like listening to yourself. Yeah, you know, you're like that. Doesn't that's not me. You guys have to do that all the time. That's right. <laughs> well, I'm so sorry. Um, but no, watching yourself is never fun, especially when you're doing. I had to do a scene in a in a in a movie, a, f- a comedy called, My Name is Vivian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was a scene where I have to do yoga and try and perform um, oral sex on myself, oh but my like from, from, uh, from behind. <laughs> okay. And my mother actually saw that and I wasn't too impressed. Um, so there are things that I was like, you know, you kind of say to yourself, why, you know why? <laughs> why did I do that? And my, my family's yet to watch The One You Feed. So, we'll see what they think of that one coming <laughs> up.
1: <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll post a trailer to The One You Feed, and we'll also post a trailer to Bonebox in the show oh. notes below.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. And Box is available on all Video On
1: Demand channels. And That's- soon The One You Feed will be available...
2: Will be available everywhere. It'll be available in December, and we will be letting you guys know. We have an announcement to make, should be next week about
1: the one you feed. Awesome. So mm. let's go. Um, <laughs> I
3: kind of want to now talk about uh, fire dancing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Brandon. Sure. I don't know if yeah. you're about to say. I, yeah. I'm actually curious about your fire dancing days, and if, if yeah. I don't know, this might be a weird question, but if, no. if you've taken any of your skills and what you've learned from fire dancing to acting? Um, I, th- I think that would be a no. No okay. one's ever hired me. <laughs> so or just like, I don't know. I don't, know. Sure. The ex- I don't um, know what it, yeah, just, I, no, yeah, I
0: can tell you, I can tell you about what, what, what skill I learned from fire dancing sure. is that I saw someone do it and I really wanted to do it. I was just like, that is something that I want to, I want to play with fire. I like it. I, wanna, I had dreadlocks, and I thought it would look cool to have both of those things together. <laughs> yeah, dreadlocks yeah, and yeah, fire, definitely. fire, you know. And I just looked like people because I, I gravitated gravitate towards the poi, which poi is chains, right? Chains to a cage that you light with, with um, paraffine and you set it on a light, and it looks like you're manipulating balls of fire through magic in the dark. And I just I was like, that's just badass. So I yeah. want to do that. But how you learn is you have two tennis balls attached to strings connected to your hands. Now, these balls usually hit each other midway in the air. And when they tangle themselves, they come straight down. And the first things they hit are, you guessed it, the other balls.
2: (laughs) It's a
0: painful experience. But if you can go through that pain and you get through that pain, by the time you feel the move out, because it's a feeling more than a a seeing, it's the most magical feel, feeling in the world. Honestly, it's it's like when you catch your first wave on on you know mm-hmm, when you're surfing, surfing and, you, and you catch your first wave. But there's nothing yeah, like it's
3: so it. addicting.
0: There's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. You're like, wait, what, what? What is this? You know? Yeah. Surfers know like it's and you know I was a deep sea diver for a while. When you <laughs> the first time you go down there, you're like, wait, I can do this for life. Um, it's the same sort of adrenaline rush, fire dancing, because you're you're literally playing with fire, and it's all over you. And you know your your dreadlocks is filled with beeswax, and it's <laughs> you, you can light up. But I would say in in, in anything in acting, because especially acting when you start out and filmmaking when you start out, life's gonna throw you curveballs, and it's gonna say to you like, listen, like you're gonna get hit, and it's gonna hurt. And if you give up the first or second time, you're just gonna give up. So just keep on going, keep on going, keep on going, I think. Is keep that, on swimming.
3: Is that what you would tell young actors out there right now? Um, what would what would be some, some things you would tell them? I think
0: what everybody says who's been doing this for a while and people who've been much longer than I have, they always have the same thing. If you can do anything else, do it. And I never understood that. I was always like, come on, that's such a cop-out. Like, If you can do anything else, just you know, give me something you know, worthy to take with me. And I think that's such good advice because it's such a difficult industry that you have to want to do it 150, 200%. There's nothing else you can do in life, but do this kind of work. Um, I don't feel like I'm an actor per se. I I don't audition a lot. I don't, I don't have a a, a talent agent right now, a manager right now. I don't do commercial auditions. I feel like I'm a storyteller, to be honest with you. I love telling stories. I love telling my own stories. I love producing. I love getting people's money to make (laughs) a film and actually make it succeed and actually make the money back more. I mean, I I feed off that. Um, But I'm definitely a storyteller, and I think I just want to tell stories, and acting is one of those mediums that I get to tell stories. Mm. Um, But if you want to be a writer, if you want to be an actor, director, a filmmaker, anything like that, You're going to want to have to do this because this industry is tough, as you guys know, and there's nothing else you can do. Because I've been waiting tables for a very long time, and that's not too much fun. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, things are starting to pick up now, and they're getting good. So, um, you know, just keep on doing it. I'm 40 years old now. Um, I only left my country at 29. um, But I went from zero credits to, like, almost 25 credits on my MDB um so you know i think that's good
3: yeah no it's definitely Um, really good what what has kept just because now i'm just curious what has kept you going for 11 years in la um just getting roll. like yeah what is like while you're waiting tables like what kept you you know going
0: (laughs) i guess just the i'm I'm gonna go back to surfing you know when you catch that first wave and someone says "Hey, well that's it and, you know, you're like, no, I have to do that again. Mm-hmm. I have to feel that again. And that's going to be better.
1: Um, we have actually been talking for a little close to an hour. So I guess we could start wrapping this up. And I will end this with my usual movie question. And my movie question for you is, you're on that flight from Cape Town to Los Angeles and you can only take three movies with you. Oh what, no! What three movies do you take? Wow!
0: Wow! Well, I mean, I don't want to have seen the movies, cause <laughs> 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 um, but I guess. Um, oh man, that's such a great. Can I get? Can I email you? Can I? Can I get some time <laughs> to think about it? Um, what do I take? What's gonna be fun? Um, this is gonna sound crazy. I'm gonna just say it because. I'm going to take speed with Keanu Reeves and what's her face. Her yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take speed. I'm going to take Jurassic Park.
2: Nice.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, cause you know, I want to, I'm going I'm to have fun. And do I want a John Hughes movie
1: mm-hmm. or
0: do I want a Roman Polanski movie? No, this is not, I guess there's a lot of directors that aren't very popular <laughs> right now that I just <laughs> stay away from. Um, um Ooh, I want something that I haven't watched yet, to be honest with you. So, actually, you know what? No, I'm going to take What's Eating Gilbert Grape.
2: Oh, wow. So good. I love that. I'll take those
0: three. I think they'll get me through somewhere.
1: (laughs) Awesome. I guess that wraps the podcast episode. Thank you so much, Gareth, for coming
3: on to the podcast. Yes, thank you, Gareth. You guys
0: for having me. You guys are awesome, and I love the show. And um, I'm going to go right now and rate you five stars because the last one was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So, give you,
2: and uh on that note thank you guys so much gear thank you thank you guys um, i can just quickly shine on Garrett for a quick moment he's such a beautiful person he's my best friend and he's changed my life like in every possible way for the better so i love him to bits um but please 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 if you like what we're doing rate and review give us five stars and uh you don't have to say anything too pretty we don't care what you say i'm stealing this by the way from james on crime and sports but we don't care what you say say whatever you want just give us five stars thank you we love you
1: sounds good all right Hell yeah thanks again gareth (laughs) and tune in next week and we will interview samuel ott who is a director of photography so yes thanks so much and see you
3: later have a beautiful day or night Sean here. Ciao. ciao. <laughs> Later. <laughs>